0: I do love that song. It's a great song. I asked John Mark to play it uh, because he introduced it to me. uh, As I thought about the message today and uh, it just kind of resonated with me as a song that kind of fit. But it's a good song. It's a fitting song because we see the the psalmist uh, who uh, gave rise to that that song from Psalm 42. We see his heart on full display. His heart is in turmoil. It's downcast. There's something weighty. It's weighing him down. And from this place of loneliness and isolation, we find that songwriter crying out to the Father from a place of loneliness and isolation. But you know, the beauty of the church is that the good Father has shed his love abroad in our hearts. We are never truly alone. We are never truly in isolation. We are connected to a family, a new and better family of brothers and sisters of faith. And that's the beauty of the church. something special about the church Robert Greene, who's not here today, he says it all the time. He's like, there's just something about the church. So there's something I want you to be aware of before we even get to the sermon today. Um, if you have any desire to connect to the family here, to, get, to become part of the family here, uh, or maybe just to hear something about what goes on here, what helps us tick, what moves us, uh, I want you to be aware that uh, we'll have our Provol class next Sunday at noon. It'll be on the second floor right behind me, Okay. Uh, I just want you to be aware of that. But my name is Nick Crawford. I'm one of the pastors here. We're in the third week of a sermon series that we've called The Fight of Your Life. Uh, the first week, Robert taught us how to fight for our marriages. In the second week, he taught us how to fight for our kids. Uh, another thing I want you to be aware of, uh, part of what I, I do, part of my role is uh, I help uh, supervise what goes down the hall, uh, just down here to my left and to your right, Uh, But there are a lot of people who come every week to to fight for our kids, and uh, we like to give them a break during the summertime. So if you have any desire to help us in the children's ministry, uh, please um, fill out a Connect card and mark that interest. Uh, I wouldn't make this call. I wouldn't waste one minute of the sermon if I didn't think that this was a real need. So I'm asking you, we need some help down the hallway. Uh, If you have that desire, if you've ever had that desire, just check the card and uh, drop it off in the kiosk on the way out. Uh, All right, now, to the sermon. This week, uh, we are still in the fight of your life, like I said, but we are taking the fight of your life, and we're going to take it straight to your heart as we learn to fight for your heart, as we look to the wisdom literature of the Bible to grow in our character. You know, we live in a land of the free and the home of the brave, and with that comes the great privilege to make choices. We can choose where to worship. We can choose where to send our kids to school. We can choose what neighborhoods to live in, uh, what neighborhoods to move to. Um, that's a great. I come from a small place. We didn't have a whole lot of choice of where to go to school. I had one option. But now as I look for my kids growing up, I got all the options in the world. I can choose. I can even choose where I go to lunch uh, for Father's Day today. It's special. We have the op- opportunity and the freedom to make our own choices. The experts out there, the smart guys in the world, they say that the average adult makes about 35,000 choices every day. We live in a world of choices, and we live in the midst of the information age where everything is just one click away. So as we talk about living wisely today, if you were to Google, if you were to go home or do it right now on your phone or tablet, if you were to Google how to live wisely, you would come up with over 40 million hits instantaneously, and that's a lot of information, a lot of information. We live in a world of choices. I I read a Harvard Business Review article recently that said, On average, we consume five times the amount of information on a daily basis when compared to just 30 years ago. A lot of information. This is an inordinate amount of information every day that the the authors of this article say is equivalent to about 174 newspapers every day. Now, that is a lot, and that's hard for me to believe, but I'm telling you, if Harvard said it, it's got to be right. Yeah? Yeah? It's impressive and hard to believe. And you'd think that all this extra information would translate to uh, extra wisdom, but that's not the case. Turns out, general knowledge has remained constant for the past 80 years. How can this be? We're consuming all this extra information, but we're not learning more. How can it be? More outside information does not equate to more internal wisdom. So how can we ensure that we can make the right choices. How do we make the right choices when everything's not always black and white? We need wisdom. Wisdom is knowing when to press in and when to pull back. It's knowing when to speak, when to bite your tongue. That's wisdom. Wisdom is the knowledge applied to life, and we've never needed more wisdom than we do right now. Tim Keller says this. He says, wisdom, it's not a technique for right choices. It's not a technique for right choices. It's about having the character of both mind and heart that enables you to make the right choices when all the rules don't apply. So how do you get that kind of character? How do we get the kind of character character that will let us walk into any situation and walk out having chosen wisely? Because that's the kind of character we need. This passage that we're going to look at today shows us because it reveals who God is and what he's done to give us wisdom. So here's the main idea today. Right off the bat, I'm going to give you the main idea. God is the wise father. He's the wise father, and He's given a word of life and healing to His children. He has done everything necessary to guide us into a life of wisdom and good character so that we can walk in wisdom right now. So before we get to the text, let's pray. Let's pray for God to open up our hearts. Our Father, you are wise and you are good, your ways are higher than our ways. They're unsearchable, Father. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. By wisdom, you founded the earth. By understanding, you established the heavens. Speak words of wisdom to, to us today. Help us to guard our hearts so that we would have life to give to others. And Father, despite my sin and my flaws, help me. Speak through me. Prepare the hearts in the room today. And anybody who might listen beyond, prepare our hearts to receive a word from you, God. And help me to show Jesus as he truly is, the son who perfectly obeyed your will, so that we might have life. All glory and honor to him. Amen. So here we are on Father's Day, and we get a word from a father to a son. And in this passage, we hear the voice of the wise father speaking to his children. Let's read. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Proverbs 4, 20 to 23. That's where we'll be today. Now, when we talk about the heart, we typically, uh, when we refer to it, we we tend to think about the emotions, right? The thoughts, the affections. Uh, Now, in the Bible, the heart includes that, but it's so much more. In the Bible, the heart is everything, It's the most important place in the whole human system. It stands for the entire mental and moral activity. It's used figuratively in the Bible for the inner man. It represents the true character, which is what we so often conceal, hide, and cover up. So your character is what makes you you. And because it's what makes you who you are, it's what drives your choices. So how do we get the kind of character that helps us make the wise choices in all of life? Now, I'm gonna tell you, you develop that character over time as you apply the Father's instruction to your heart. That's true wisdom, knowledge applied to life. But here's our problem. Always a problem, right? Here's our problem. Our hearts are sick. Our hearts are sick. And rather than fight for our hearts, we avoid that fight. We avoid our hearts suppressing and stuffing all our issues without ever really dealing with the things that matter most for the health and the welfare of our souls God wants to change that. He wants to change your whole heart. He wants to change you from the inside out. God wants you to live wisely. He wants you to fight for your heart. So the passage that we're going to be hanging out in today, it it tells you to do three things today. Three things. Here are three points that I'll be talking through today. To fight for your heart and to live wisely, you need to prepare for the fight. Secondly, you need to get in the fight. And third, you need to win the fight. Prepare, get in, and win. Those are the three things. First point, prepare for the fight. Verses 20 to 22. It's the application of the Father's word to your heart that grows your character. To prepare for the fight of your life, the fight for your very own heart, you got to listen to the Father's instruction. A few things here that show us the what, the how, and the why to prepare for your heart. Verse 20 shows us what we prepare with. The wise father tells his son precisely what to put in his His heart, listen, he says, my son, listen up, listen up, listen to my sayings, my words. Now Solomon, King Solomon wrote this proverb to his son, but King Solomon didn't make this up. He didn't make this stuff up. He got this from his father, who got it from his father. These words were passed down from generation to generation, from father to son, from father to son, from father to son, on and on and on and on way back until we get the words of the Father to, given to Moses, to the whole nation, to the whole family of God. We pick that up in Deuteronomy 6, verses four to seven. Let's read that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down. And when you rise, Solomon is passing down the wisdom from the father, from the wise father. And he's saying, son, listen up. You prepare for the fight of your life by listening to the father's instruction. The father's word, the father's word is what you prepare with. Verse 21 shows us how we prepare for this fight. He says, don't let it get out of your sight. Keep my words close. The wise father is saying, listen up, listen up. This is really important, and it is really important because this shows us the importance of a father's influence. Keep my words in your heart, son, so wherever you go, you'll always know what to do. This is a proverb, right? Now, the word proverb comes from a word that means to rule or to govern. So in other words, these words are intended to rule and govern us. This wisdom here is a gift of grace. It enables us to navigate all the difficult decisions and tough choices out there with a fatherly guidance that we have neither earned nor can we provide by our own devices. The wise father influences the heart of his children through his word. Keep his word close. That's how you prepare for the fight. Verse 22 shows us why we prepare for the fight. Look at the father's, look at how it's described. Look how his word is described in verse 22 says, for they, talking about his words, for his words are life and healing. When we walk into the fight of our lives, we need to know that we're walking into the ring with a sick heart. Our hearts are sick. Our hearts need healing. The wise father is saying, son, be very, very careful to always pay attention to the content and the character of your heart. His word is healing to our sick heart, and that's why we prepare. Now, the heart, right? That's what we're looking at today. It's kind of the, the main thing, right? The heart. The heart, as I think about it, it's kind of like this guitar back here. You tune it up, plays just right. The sounds that come out of it are all good. Now, I got a guitar at my house too. It was a gift eight years ago uh, to me by my wife. I played it for a little while, but, but then uh, I got bored or busy or all of it, and uh, I put it off in the corner. Three days turned into three months, which turned into three years. Now, not even John Mark can make my guitar sound good. Hey, Chris Staples, he was in town. He couldn't make my guitar sound good. It's not about user error. It's about the condition of the guitar itself. Our hearts are kind of like that. You tune them up, they're good to go. But if you neglect them or if something comes in to disrupt them, our hearts will stray. Listen, you can't substitute. You just cannot substitute time hearing from the father in his word and then talking back to him in prayer. You can't substitute it for that. You got to hear from the wise father. So let me ask you, what's in your heart today? Your character is shaped and it's molded by the words of the wise father. So what are you putting in there? How are you preparing for the fight? How do you get the kind of character that'll let you walk into every situation and walk out having chosen wisely? Only when you meet God in his word and see his perfect character will you begin to get it yourself. You must apply the word to your heart to learn how to live in wisdom. And I've said this before, but it's so important. When you read the Bible, don't read it to study him so much. Read it to know him. Read it to know him. Ask him who he is. Ask him who he is. Look for his character. And here are four questions that I use to, when I help people. uh, When I study the Bible myself and my devotion time, when I teach people how to read the Bible, I always go to these four questions because they're so good. They're so simple. And because they're so simple, you can take them, learn them very quickly, and then teach them uh, to somebody else, which is essential for making disciples. But here they are. You can take a picture with your phone or you can write them down. First question, who is God? Second, what has he done? Third, who am I in light of what he has done? And fourth, what do I do? Who is God? What has he done? Who am I in light of what he has done? And what do I do? The first question will help you see God's character in every passage of scripture. And because we are all created in God's image, that first question informs the answer to the third question about who you are. The second question will help you spot the gospel, and the fourth question will help you obey God's call on your life every single day. You wanna grow in your character, seek out God's perfect character, By asking him in his word who he is. Then ask the remaining questions to apply his word to your heart. That is the path to living wisely. To prepare for the fight of your life, you have to apply the Father's word to your heart. You have to prepare for the fight. And you also got to get in the fight. Secondly, get in the fight. Verse 23. You fight for your heart by paying attention to what flows out of it. It's not easy to change your character. Not easy to change your character at all. And that's precisely why the wise father is saying, son, keep your heart with all vigilance. The NIV translation of the Bible says it this way, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Make no mistake, this is a fight. It's a daily fight to fight for your heart. It's a daily fight to guard your heart. And you see, the problem is that our heart's Are sick, Jeremiah 17.9, many of you know this one. Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our hearts are the problem. That's why we have to fight for our hearts by paying attention to what comes out of them. It's all about the direction of the heart. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance and here's the direction that matters. For from it, the heart, for from it flow the springs of life. We don't live outside in. We live inside out. That's the direction that matters. It's what comes out that matters because that's a reflection of what's inside. And Jesus taught this very thing in Luke six forty five. He says the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So what comes out of our mouth is born and bred in our hearts. Jesus also said that good fruit doesn't come from bad trees. So the fruit of our lives is tied to the health of our hearts. If we want to know what's going on in our hearts, we've got to watch what's coming out. Verse 23 defines the heart. It gives us a little definition. It says it's the spring of life. Back to the NIV translation, it says it's the well spring of life. So think about this with me. What happens when a well becomes polluted? Unhealthy or poisoned. Disaster. A polluted well, a poisoned well could destroy a whole community or a whole family that depends on it for refreshment and nourishment. Could be disastrous. Whatever is in here is coming out there. That's what's going on here in this passage. We fight for the things that matter most. That's just what we do. The things that we guard the most dearly, the things that we hold the most dearly, the things that matter most to us, and those are the things that we jump to protect. I bet you locked your house before you came to worship at church this morning. If you're a parent or you got kids, I bet you want to protect your spouse. I bet you want to look after your children, right? We protect, we fight for the things that matter. But this passage teaches us more than all vigilance, more than all guarding, more than all protecting. Keep your heart. Make this the most important fight of your life. Now, me and three other guys. We get together every single week. We get together every single week. Our wives, like, they like kick us out of the house because they know how much this matters and how good it is for us. Uh, but we make the time because we know how much this matters. It makes us better husbands, makes us better fathers, makes us better friends and sons and employees. It matters. But we get together to fight for each other's heart every, every single week. And just this week, one of the guys confessed. That's what we do. It's part of what we do. Uh, we'll confess our sins, trusting uh, God who's faithful to forgive them if we would confess them before men. So we, we make a small space for us to kind of be safe, and we confess our sins to each other. Well, one of the guys this week, he confessed that he's been speaking really kind of harshly to his wife uh, for, for a little while now. And um, knowing the truth of this passage, we helped him do the hard work to examine his heart. You know, he was speaking harshly to his wife because his heart was sick at the time. So we asked him some questions help him dig down to the truth of what's really going on. And we spoke the truth in love to him. We gave him words of life and healing to help him out. And uh, when it was all kind of said and done, um, I'll tell you what he said. I'll tell you what he didn't say. First of all, he he did not say this. He didn't say, this is my stuff. This is my business. Get out. Get out of my business. Don't go in there with me. He didn't say that. He said, guys, thank you. Thank you for speaking the truth to me. Thanks for speaking the truth. Yeah, it was painful, sure. It always is. Pruning is always painful. And surely it was a bit awkward, but it was good. We got the bad fruit out so that he could produce good fruit. What's coming out of your heart? What does the fruit of your life reveal about the health of your heart? Do you know? Part of the problem is is that we don't make the time to do the hard work of heart examination. We avoid the fight. We don't deal with what's going on here, in here. So by the time it gets out there, the damage is already done. You see, when we don't deal with our hearts, they become more like powder kegs than they, than they do springs of life. An explosion is bound to happen sooner or later. Avoiding the problem is not taking the fight to your heart. We think life is easier if we just avoid our hearts. So we wind up suppressing our wounds, desires, and disappointments. But this just piles on weight to a heart that's already too weighed down. We avoid the problem, so we live out of polluted wells, spewing out all sorts of venom and vitriol. What's your heart saying? What's it crying out? Is it stressed, anxious, fearful, hurt, disappointed, mad, sad? What's coming out? Pay attention. Now, let's get real practical here. Here are five questions that a pastor named Jeff Vanderstelt uh, put together to help us examine what's going out so we can know what's inside. Here they are. You can take a picture of this one too. Uh, Take some time to ask these to yourself regularly. Uh, I would encourage you to have a journal handy and write them out. But here you go. What am I believing about God, myself, the world, and what Jesus has done? Second, what emotions am I feeling? Third, what am I most passionate or excited about? Fourth, what do I desire most, long for, or what does my heart ache for? What does the fruit of my life reveal about the answers to those questions. We are not robots. We're not robots. God created us with a soul, with a mind, with a heart, with emotions and feelings. What are they saying right now? What do they reveal about the internal health of your heart? Your heart is like a stream of water continuously flowing out to impact others. Is the impact positive or is it negative? If your heart is full of anger or bitterness, it's going to flow out to infect others. If your heart is full of fear, others are going to feel that. If your heart is full of the love of Jesus Christ, it's going to flow out when you communicate to others. It'll it'll flow out. The love of Jesus will flow out to refresh other people, everybody that his love touches. You have to get into the fight. You have to get into the fight for your heart by by taking the time to pay attention to what comes out. You can't avoid what's going on. Only when you prepare your heart and get in the fight can you learn to win the fight for your heart. That's our last point today. Win the fight. Still in verse 23. We don't need to fix the heart. We can't. We just can't. The heart is sick. We need a new heart. When we renew our hearts, the heart beats for new and better things. Look, when you play with the heart, when you play with the heart, you're playing with the highest stakes. This is not a fight that we can afford to lose. So look what comes out of the pure heart in verse 23. The text says it's springs of life. If true wisdom is all about the direction of a wise father's word, then what is this word? What's this word that gives life and healing that flows from a heart like springs of of life? In John 5, 39, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says, you search the scriptures because you think in them, You think that in them, you have eternal life. And it is they, talking about the scriptures, it is they that bear witness about me. Listen to this, listen to what he says in the very next verse. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus is saying that knowledge isn't the answer. These Pharisees, they were the smartest guys. They were the smartest guys in the land. They had memorized like the whole Bible. But Jesus is saying, it's not knowledge. Knowledge isn't the answer. All the knowledge in the world won't change a thing. All the scripture memory in the world, as good as that is, all the scripture memory in the world won't touch your heart unless you know where the sayings of the wise father lead. It's all about the direction of the father's word. So what's the wisdom of the father leading us to? In John 1, we find that word. In verse 14, the word is capitalized. It's a man. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. God cared so much about the application of his word that he came down here to show us how to apply it himself. Jesus is the word. Jesus is all wisdom. He is the knowledge of the wise father applied to daily life. When the Pharisees asked Jesus to show them a sign in another passage, Jesus said, hey, look, all the people, they came from all around, all the corners of the earth to hear wisdom from Solomon. But behold, something better than Solomon is here. Don't miss this. Wisdom came down To earth. Jesus came to save the fools by replacing the heart of stone with a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, 26, way back, talking about Jesus, way forward, says this I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Jesus said the same thing in Luke 19, verses 9 through 10. He says, Today, today, salvation has come to this house, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's good news. For those of us with the unhealthy heart today, Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Go back with me to Proverbs 4.23. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. That word life is the same exact word Jesus used in Luke 19. Same word, different language. It means salvation. Jesus came to give the sick a new heart and now we can come to him every day and renew it day after day. Let me show you a picture really quick. Show you about where my heart is right now. That's my little daughter, Kennedy Vale. She's my serious child. Every time I've gotten up here, I've given a story about Coy. So I guess it's her turn now. He gets the he gets off the hot seat. Um, but some of the uh, fathers out there who've had daughters before me said, "Hey, Nick, man, I'm telling you, there's something different about little girls. They're right. They're right." She's our, our serious child. She's about one years old. She just turned one, um, May 24th. Um, but she's got this look, you know, those, those blue eyes too. I don't know if you can see them on that picture, but she's got these blue eyes and just kind of stares at you. She stares at you just like she can look straight through my soul. Maybe she can. I don't know. No, she probably can. Um, but I love her. I love her so much. She's my serious child, and I will do anything. I will do anything to see her smile. I will make animal noises. I will stand on my head, and I will do those things over and over and over again until I get a smile, and then I'll do them over and over and over again until I get another smile. I love her. The more time I spend with her, the more my heart beats for her. Everything I have and everything I want is for her, and yet... God the Father loves me so much more than that. Beyond anything that I can ever fathom, his deep his love is so deep, it's so rich, it's so infinite, and he showers his children with that kind of love. Through that little girl, God is teaching me about the relationship that I have with him. He's given me glimpses of what his heart beats for. God's heart beats for his children. You see, being a father has helped me to grasp God's love and what his heart beats for. And knowing that sort of love moves me to tell other people about it too. The love that's inside flows out. When I think of the father's heart, I almost always think of um, the passage of the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. I love that passage. We get some characters. We get a son, we get a father, right? We get a son, we get a father. We get a wise father. I'm from the Delta, so I get a picture I'm terrible at visualizing things, so y'all hang with me, but I get a father sitting on his front porch looking at all the flat land of the Delta, looking for his boy to return to him. That's what I see every time, and I love it. One of the things I love about that story the most is that it's the only time in all of Scripture, the only time in all of Scripture where the father is described as running, and I love the direction he's running to. He's running to his son, I love it. His heart beats for his children. You see, back then, men didn't run. It was too undignified. But here we get a picture of the wise father heart, of the wise father running. He's letting his guard down, and he's running straight to his little boy. I love it. That's God's heart. That's God's heart. The heart of God beats for his children. His heart beats so hard for his people that he gave it to them. It beats for his people. So what does your heart beat for? Jesus is the Son who perfectly obeyed the Father's will so that you can have life with him forever. What does your heart beat for? What are you most passionate about? Think about that. Why are you passionate about it? What are you most passionate about? Maybe it's golf, maybe it's reading, maybe it's running, maybe it's children. Maybe it's baseball and bananas in Omaha right now. Whatever it is, whatever it is, God gave you that passion to intersect his heart with people. How can you use your passions to influence others? Positively with the gospel. That's the question. Listen, guarding your heart is not shutting yourself up. It's not shutting yourself off from the world. You don't protect yourself by shutting up your heart in isolation. You will never build walls strong enough to protect the heart from the danger that's already in there. No, guarding your heart leads us to follow Jesus to where he's going. And he is always going to the place of sacrificial love for other people. That's what the cross is all about. This new and renewing heart character is what allows you to be in the world but not of the world. Renewing your heart is how you can walk into any situation and walk out having chosen wisely. Ray Ortland says this. External things can't satisfy an internal longing. So if you are wanting, if you're wanting something, you can only get it by something that comes inside to change your heart. John 7:37 Jesus says, "If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink." Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You want a new heart? Jesus has to come in and change it. Have you let him? Have you let him? What does your heart beat for? Listen, an endless supply of life flows from the heart that loves Jesus. Pay attention to your heart. Is it at peace? Is it at rest? Listen to the words of the wise father who says, hey, child, son, daughter, just talk to me. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And here we go. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's the peace of God. It's God's peace that comes into our hearts to guard them in Jesus. So church, make the time to guard your heart Make the time to guard your heart by bringing it to Jesus every day. Let's pray.